All right, good morning. Oh, that one works. All right, it is, it's good to be back here and appreciate everybody being patient. I really do appreciate Preacher Vernon being here last week. I know it was a, a blessing for y'all to be able to hear him, and uh, and me too. I got to sit there and listen to it. It was, uh, it was very good. I appreciate him uh, being able to come out and, and fill in short notice. That was really short notice uh, for him. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at a, a, a parable, a story that we're all familiar with, and it's one I absolutely love, and uh, I'll, I'll start out this morning with, with this. Uh, it's a, it's a, something that happened here in the U.S. back in 2009, I think we're all familiar with this as well, but it happened to a little feller named Bernie Madoff. You guys remember that one in the news? You remember that little Ponzi scheme he had going on? So I was doing a little little research this week, a little reading, and and looking at uh, just certain certain people that we are familiar with in in current times, and and Bernie kind of stood out here, and he had this little Ponzi scheme that it 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 was it was a simple concept. You ask people to invest in something, and they just people, and in return they would get something back. They would get money back, more money back. And then as people would hear about this, then more people would start putting in. And then people would want some payback or payout, and they would get a little bit of money back and a little bit more than what they put in. But after uh, so many years of doing this, uh, he ended up making estimated uh, a little over $65 billion in this little Ponzi scheme that he had going on, which is a lot. I mean, it was a... This Madoff scheme here, thousands of people lost money. Thousands of people. Some people had invested their entire life savings into this little scheme, and they lost it all. Now, he went to jail. He was 70-some years. I can't remember what he was. 71 years old uh, when he was sentenced, and he was sentenced to the maximum time of 150 years. That's a lot of time. That's a long time to be in jail, especially if you're 71. That's, uh, you probably ain't going to get to see that 150 years. He is definitely not getting out of jail. But his uh, incarceration brought an end to this, what we would call a, a terrible reign of hypocrisy, and because that's what he was. He, he was two-faced. He was saying one thing, doing another. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is hypocrisy, being two-faced, being a hypocrite. And it's not something that we like to talk about. Hypocrites, uh, well, we just, we're just going to get into it this morning for a little bit and see what you think about uh, hypocrisy. Jesus dealt with this. He he dealt with hypocrisy too in the last uh, his last public speaking that's recorded in the book of Mark, Mark chapter twelve. We got to see, and we're going to see where Jesus dealt with hypocrites. They existed back then as well. The word hypocrite came from back in in those days. The word hypocrite means two faced. It comes from acting. The actors back in his times would have a mask. They have two masks. And they would wear one mask but act, or, and act one way and then take that mask off, put another mask on, and act another way. And they were called hypocrites back then. That didn't mean what we've made it mean now. It just meant an actor that played more than one role. And so back in Jesus' day, he had to deal with hypocrites a lot. Who are the hypocrites we tend to think of? Tend to think of the scribes. When I think of hypocrite, I think of a scribe. And, and, and the Pharisees as well. But that's who I think about. And Jesus had to deal with these, 
people, these men, a lot towards the end of his ministry. He had to deal with them constantly because of who he was, because of who Jesus was as the Messiah, as God's only son. They, they didn't think kindly of him. And so they would act one way and then they'd look one way and act one way or a different way. And so he had to deal with these men. And the, the longer he was in ministry, the worse it got for Jesus. And so we're going to look at something with, these, uh, with his disciples and these hypocrites as well. Of, uh, just something I believe it would, it, would, it would help us today. So if you've got your Bible open to Mark chapter 12, stand with me just a moment. Mark chapter 12, verse 38 to the end. The Bible says, and he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues in the uppermost rooms at feast, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Let's pray. Father, this morning... God, we just want to thank you. God, thank you for your blessings. God, thank you for mercy. God, I thank you for all the grace that you've poured out on top of us. God, I pray this morning that you would, again, just have your way in this service. Lord, I pray that you would just move. Move in our hearts. Lord, move in our minds. Lord, I pray that you just clear out our eyes and our ears. That we can receive this. Lord, I pray that uh, through whatever's said and done here, Lord, I pray that it may convict a heart to, to be a better person, be a better Christian, be a better father or a mother or a husband or a, a wife, whatever it may be. But, Lord, I pray that uh, what's said and done would uh, place uh, some type of conviction on their hearts to be better in this life. Lord, we thank you again for uh, all that you're doing, all that you've done. And, again, we just want to lift up uh, the Hudsinger family to you again this morning. God is... Uh, TC's over, over in, uh, in Europe right now, away from, from Wade, but she's with her, her daughter there at the hospital. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to, to touch and heal there and give Wade some comfort as well as he's away from his wife. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So the widow's might. It's one of the, the stories we read a lot, we talk about a lot. It'd be easy to condemn these hypocrites back in Jesus' day. Knowing what we know now as Christians, knowing what we know now after reading the story so many times over our, our lifetime, it would be very easy for a Christian to condemn a hypocrite, or to at least condemn these men back in Jesus' day. Their foolishness was, it was so extreme right here that it was almost laughable if it wasn't so sad. You ever, you ever experienced something like that? Something that just seems so absolutely funny but it's also sad that the way that they act. You want to laugh at them, but you want to feel bad for them. I, that happened to Abby. Me and I, I have to tell you, I have to tell this on you. Sorry, it's just I have to. So I, in in the way that I speak, sometimes I may have missed a word or two when I was trying to explain something to her. And one of our dogs, uh, Ammo, the chocolate lab, had knocked his watering bucket over, 
And we were walking out the door, and I said that Ammo had kicked the bucket. That was my words. Ammo had kicked the Well, that's not what I meant. I meant to say he had kicked the bucket over, so his water had poured out. Well, Abby tears up pretty quick, and, and I understand. And I told Maria afterwards, I said, I didn't know whether to laugh at her or cry with her. Because it was just it was just one of those things. I didn't mean it the way it came out. But he had knocked his bucket over, he kicked his bucket over, and he was without water. So I think I thought about that and I thought about these these hypocrites or these uh scribes here that they would say and do things to a point where you didn't know whether to laugh at them or be sad because of the way that they acted or felt. You almost felt sorry for them. I feel sorry for their stupidity. Because they were not the brightest bunch. They may have been scribes and supposed to be pretty smart fellers, but uh, we would call them what Jerry Clower calls educated idiots because they didn't have a lot of common sense. They were hypocrites. They were really hard on the other people. So this morning, I, got, I just got two, two points that we're going to make this morning. The first one's pretty deep because I'm going to ask you to take a test. Each one of us is going to take the hypocrite test. Y'all may not like it, but we're going to take the hypocrite test. And we're going to look at four things through the hypocrite test that these scribes have brought out that we really need to think about. It may step on a toe or two, or it may, it may uh, make you feel relieved. I don't know, but we're going to look at a couple things here, four things at least, through this hypocrite test. So let's check out our motives to make sure that we... Uh, we wouldn't be right there alongside the scribes. I don't want to be right alongside the scribes. If I want to be along with somebody, it's going to be with Jesus. And so we're going to, we're going to help boil this down this morning. So the first question the scribes point to us is, are you obsessed with your appearance? Are you obsessed with your appearance? How do you look? Don't answer that, Nat. Whatever. You, we don't want your opinion on that one. How do you look? Look at verse 38. 38 says, and he said unto them in his doctrine, beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing. The long clothing. They wanted to look good. Now, it wasn't just long clothing. There's a little bit more behind that. History's told us that the long clothing they're talking about is white robes. These scribes love to go around wearing white robes while the rest of the common folk would wear different colors. They wanted to be seen. When you wear something bright, when you wear something white, you kind of stand out, don't you? Look at across this morning. Everybody's, well, only Cindy's wearing yellow, and, and Carolyn's got some peach. We'll call that peach. So they kind of stand out a little bit. And James, he just looks pretty over there in purple. But the darker ones don't really stand out that much. What did the scribes want? They wanted to pop. They wanted people to see them. And so they would wear these nice, fancy clothes. They did it because they wanted to be seen. That's it. They just wanted to be seen. Now, I've seen some TV preachers that have done the exact same thing. Three-piece suits on, cufflinks, and gold lace ties, and, and all these little bars, all that stuff. Now, nah, I'm still wearing suits from how long? 11 years ago. Hanging in my closet. I've got the same suits I've been wearing since I've been preaching. I just kind of rotate through them. Some of them's a little tighter than others, but we won't go there. He says, which love to go in long clothing. Oh, how they like to look good. Now, I'm okay with looking decent at church. 
I'm all about that. I believe in modesty, and I believe wearing the best that you've got, your Sunday best. I believe in that, truly, 100%. Wear the best that you got. It might not look good in your opinion, but if it's the best, you're wearing it for God, not for show. They didn't get that. It was for show, not for God. Be careful with that. Be careful with that, with what you wear. Sometimes it might be helpful to say, do I care more about the opinion of others or God? If you're, Whatever you're wearing to church, whatever you wear out, uh, not just church, but in the world, you're representing the church. You're representing one another as the church. I, I know that, and I, I may have, I don't know if I've said this or not, but at, uh, when the church is behind our house, their pastor was preaching one Sunday, and as a little girl sitting there with a miniskirt on on the front row, and he was just preaching his heart out, and he just politely took his coat off as he was preaching. He walked over, and he just laid it across her lap. you got to be careful what you wear out and about because that represents the church. If so-and-so can wear this, then it's all right if I wear this. If they can wear this to church, then I can wear this out in public. We've got to be careful with what we wear because we're not doing it for God. We're doing it for ourselves. We're trying to show ourselves off. It might be uh, wanting to be seen in the finest clothes. Some people, that's all they want to do, just buy the nicest things so they can fit in with the in crowd. They want to look the best so they get popular friends or the rich friends or something like that. We've got to be careful with that. It might be something like always projecting a happy front and letting people think that you're someone that you're not. That was the scribes. They were showing off. They were showing that they were something that they were not. They just wanted that audience. Sometimes we put on that happy face when we, we come into our churches and we never let anyone see the real us. We, we wear a good front, but nobody can see through it. They can't see the real us and who we are. So we've got to be careful with that. Second question the scribes point to us, uh, point out to us is, do you care too much about your status? What about your status? Where are you on that status level? Where do you sit? Where do you want to be? Listen to verse 38 and 39 again. It says, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts. Now these people thrived on attention from others. They wanted to be seen. Now, where's the one place that a Baptist won't sit? On the front. Where do all the Baptists sit? To the back. That's where we got all this room, and everybody always moves back to the back. It doesn't matter what church you're at. They just want to move to the back. That's the scribes. Scribes says, I want to be front and center. I want to be where everybody can see me. I want to be where the preacher can see me, or the rabbi back then. I want to be where I can be seen. I'm going to wear my nice white clothes, and I'm going to sit right up front so everybody can see me and smell me because they, they, they put on some, some perfumes and things too. They wanted to be seen and, and, and recognized wherever they went. And not only that, uh, they like to look good, but they, they like to be seen by the world. They like to turn heads and be noticed. They like to be admired. I don't ever want to wear something that turns heads. If it is, it's, it would be a, a turn their head away. <laughs> I don't want to wear these, the clothing like they would wear where I'm drawing attention. I don't 
that's not what the preachers do. That's not what a Christian does. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. A Christian is to draw attention to God and what we say and what we do, how we act, how we speak. That draws attention to God. Don't draw it to the church. Don't draw it to yourself. What we say and do is supposed to draw attention to God. We're supposed to elevate Him. We're supposed to raise Him up. We're supposed to build up the kingdom in what we say and do. Don't look at me. Look at Him. But not the scribes, because they're a bunch of hypocrites. They're saying, look at me. Look at me. I, I'm going to sit on the front row. No offense, Conley. Don't take this to heart. <laughs> Just don't wear a white robe next Sunday. <laughs> James, you watch him when we clean out the attic. He's going to raid the white robes. We've got to be careful with, with how we turn heads and make sure that we, we don't turn them to focus on us, but to focus on God. Now, so here's something else that they liked. They liked to be called rabbi. They liked to be called teacher. They wanted to be called master. They wanted to be recognized, and they wanted people to, to, uh, to talk to them and and. It wasn't even out of respect. They just wanted that, they wanted that power. Now, there's things that, when you don't just call somebody rabbi, James. You don't just call somebody rabbi. You can't be called rabbi until you're 40. Did you know that? From 30 to 40, you're called student. From 40 to 50, you're called rabbi. And from 50 on up, you're considered wise. They wanted to be called rabbi before they was even of age to be called rabbi. And so they wanted to have that prominence. They wanted to have that title to go along with it. There's a title I want to, and y'all probably have heard me say this, and I refuse to have this title on my name. I do not like to be called reverend. Don't call me that. I cannot, there is only one. Don't call, you can call me pastor, you can call me preacher, you can call me whatever. Don't call me Reverend. I don't even assign anything Rev. I don't like it. I don't like that title. That is above me. To me, that is that's Jesus. When you go that high, don't don't call me. Now that, I'm just weird that way. But that's just me. I don't feel like I deserve that that title. Don't call me Rabbi. <laughs> I'm 39 now, James. Be careful. <laughs> but they sat right up front, right next to the Torah. So they had them white robes on, and they'd come right up to the front, and they would sit with the big old tall hats on and the Torah right up there where our cross is, and they'd make sure to sit up nice and tall so that people could see the back of their heads because they wanted the rabbi to see him as he was reading the Torah, as he'd get that scroll out and he'd start reading. They'd have the little hats on, and they'd get right in front of everybody because they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be recognized, not because of who they were or what they were, but because they liked prominence. They liked everybody looking at them. They sat right up front, though. Now, why did they do that? Was it so they could learn? Now, I remember when I was in school, I had to sit up front. But it wasn't because I wanted to learn. It's because I was blind in a bat. I couldn't see the board. I wanted to sit in the back, but I couldn't read the board. My grades went from a D and an F to... A B and a C just by moving up a few seats so I could see the board. But did the scribes want to sit up front so they could learn more about God so that they could really get ingrained in the Torah? No. They just wanted to be seen. 
That is it. It was so everybody could see them, not God. They wanted the place of honor at that banquet table. They wanted respect from people, and in doing so, they lost respect of God. When you start thriving on respect of others, and you start dressing and acting a certain way so you can get more and more attention towards yourself, you're losing it from God. You be careful with the way you, you act and you dress and the way that you, you present yourself. If you're not presenting it in a godly manner, in a, in a Christ-like manner, you're going to lose that respect of God, and you don't want to be in that boat. Don't lose that from God just so you can gain it from man. I could care less what man says about me, but I care a lot about the way God thinks about me and looks at me. I do not want to disgrace his name. I do not want to run the church's name in the ground. So be careful with how you, you dress and what you say and how you represent yourself. Now this is a, a temptation for anyone who is respected by others to, to dress and, and act those ways. Especially for those in, in leadership in the church or in the community. Do we serve as leaders to help others, we should. As leaders, we are to help others. We are, we are almost kind of set aside to, to, to be able to help others. So, these scribes were supposed to be a type of leader, but they wasn't helping others. They were just helping themselves. So that would be that two-faced thing. That would be, that's where hypocrite comes in. Do we sometimes let, let it go to our heads thinking that we are a better person than the average Joe? It happens. There's some preachers that can get in, in that boat, and, and evangelists as well. They will get in that boat. i got a big congregation. We've got lots of money in the, in the reserve there. And it gets to go into their head, and it becomes more about them than it does God. And so you've got to be careful. Those churches, those preachers have got to be careful because they've let it go to their head because they feel better than the average Joe. They feel better than the average church. The things are going, in their eyes, they're going great. The church is growing tremendously, and the, the, the bank account's just getting fatter and fatter and fatter. And so it goes to their head. God will turn that tap off if you ain't careful. The third question the scribes point to us, or point out to us, is do you have a fake spiritual life? Think about your spiritual life, and now ask yourself, is it real, is it true, or is it fake? What kind of spiritual life do you have? Verse 40 says, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. Now, there's nothing wrong with long prayer unless it's for show. You ever been involved in one of those prayers? just keeps going and going. It's like the Energizer battery praying up there. It just keeps going and going. Me and Maria and I guess the girls, remember when we went to the birthday party and Preacher Tim was preaching, or was praying, Tim Pierce. And uh, he just kept going. It's a birthday party. We've got a bunch of little snot-nosed little youngins running around. All they want to do is eat cake and hot dog. That's it. That's all they want to do. And it was Preacher Tim's grandson's birthday. And his daughter said, said, Dad, would you, would you bless the meal? And he kept going and going 
and going. And finally, when he said amen, she looked at me and she said, if I'd known he was going to be that long-winded, I'd ask you to pray. Uh, to pray. I don't mess around when it's time to eat. I'll give thanks and we, we're going to break bread. So, <laughs> but some people do a long prayer at a show. And they'll take it a notch higher. Travis, I wish you'd do it for the church, but if you get your preacher voice going on. <laughs> you want to pray in your preacher voice? <laughs> That's a show. That's a show. When they get, I ain't going to say they ain't caught up in the spirit, but sometimes they, they can change their voice just like a news reporter, just for show. And they make it really, really long. Do you have a, a special voice or style that you use in public prayer that sounds more religious? There, there are some out there. I like to talk to the Lord just like I talk to y'all. I don't need to yell and scream, and, and I ain't going to try to do it, but I don't, that ain't me. I just like to talk to God like he's right here with me, just like I would y'all. That's the way. I, that's, that, to me, is showing respect. That's not for show. That's showing respect and reverence to my God. Or here's, here's one for you. I wish I'd got that thing out. I bet it ain't in here. It ain't. That big old church Bible. I think it's in the back. Y'all ever seen folks come carrying in a big old Bible just for show? Now, mine's big because I got giant print and I can't read it. So, But then people come in big old Bibles just for show. It's a show. Church ain't a show. We don't need that in the churches. We've got to be careful with how we come into these churches. We don't need to come in to be seen or heard. We come in to worship. Do your best. Wear the best you got. Clean up and wear the best you got. That's all we ask. You come and you sing. You come and you pray. But not for show. Because that's not what we're here for. The fourth question the scribes point to us is point out to us is, do you have a heart full of greed? Now, verse 40 tells us these scribes devour widows' houses. You ever wondered what that means to devour widows' houses? I won't explain it to you, because it's very important for you to understand. Tradition tells us historically that tells us that they did not receive a salary for their work as a widow. They they had no income coming in, none whatsoever. And if it wasn't for their neighbors allowing them to go in and and to uh, to help them with with uh, gardening and and having some wheat, go back into Ruth and read about that one. But they would allow them to come in and, and get the leftovers if they had an abundance in their crop then the widows would be able to receive that that money or that at least some of the crops there they tended to use their um the scribes tended to use their authority as god scribes now that's the way they looked at themselves to intimidate people and, and guilt them into giving them money because a scribe was similar to what we would call a missionary kylie i said you don't have to make sound in church <laughs> she laughed so these scribes were similar to a missionary these scribes didn't have any income because they were god's scribes and so just like we would support a missionary 
they would be supported in the same way. People would give to them through faith. They would give an offering to them. They'd take up a love offering, or, or they, people would just give them money here and there. So they didn't have a lot of income coming in, but they had a lot of income. They had a lot of people paying them. So they, their pockets were a little bit deep there. So widow in Jesus' time was among the most vulnerable people. She would get these, these leftovers uh, from her, her neighbors and what the, the I think over in Ruth it says that, the, that she would glean the leftovers or glean the wheat. But she would get the leftovers. So a God-fearing widow might offer a scribe a free lunch because, again, she couldn't pay him. She didn't have anything to pay him. All she might have is some meal or some wheat or some food. So she couldn't pay them what anybody else would normally pay them. So she'd say, hey, come to my house for a little while. She said, I can't give you anything. I can't give you any form of payment. But she said, can I at least make you lunch? Can I at least break bread with you? Can I at least have God's scribe come in and bless my home and allow me to provide a meal for you? And so the scribe would say, yeah, I don't mind. And so he would go to that widow's house, and they'd sit down, and they'd break bread. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's squatting. He's there at the house, and he's getting ready to take the house over because she has no money. And so he's just going to kind of move in and take over, and then at some point, he's going to take over the house completely, and then that poor widow ain't going to have nowhere to stay. He's going to kick her out. Her house had been devoured. That's what Jesus is talking about. The scribes were squatters. They'd move in, break bread, stay a while, kick her out, and had a house in a nutshell. And it kind of reminded me of Mrs. Mendelbright. Remember that Oscar Fields over Andy Griffith show? Remember Mrs. Mendelbright? And the, the side, we won't talk about her getting drunk, but, <laughs> or Barney. Mrs. Mendelbright. And, and Oliver, or Oscar, moved in and took advantage of her. And was getting ready to take her money. That's the exact same thing that the scribes were doing. We might not be as greedy as some of these scribes, but what we do, what do we invest our money in? Do we invest it in heavenly things, godly things? Do we invest it in, 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 in the church? Do we invest it in our missions? Do we invest it in supporting godly things? I don't know. What priority would be seen through a quick glance at your bank statement? Where's your priorities at and what you support? All right, so now these are just four things not to do. We just talked about the four things not to do. And the scribes, they love to, I'm going to run back over them real quick. The, the scribes, they love to be distinctive. They love their long robes. They love to be seen. Don't do that. Don't do that. They loved popularity. They love to be spoken to. They, they love the greetings. They love to be called rabbi or master or what teacher, whatever it is. Don't do that. They love status. They love status. They love the best seat in the house. They wanted people to see them because of who they thought they were. Don't do that. They love possessions. They loved, they loved the widow's house. They loved taking the widow's house. Don't do that. And they loved to mock religion through a long prayer. Don't do that. I ain't saying praying long is wrong. I'm just saying don't do it for show. So Jesus says if you love these things, especially if done in the name of religion, verse 40 says that you'll be punished. 
Now you're sitting there probably thinking, preacher, you're telling us what not to do. What should we do? Well, let me tell you what you should do. This is number two. Keep it real. Just keep it real. Keep your worship real. Keep your faithfulness real. Keep your testimony real. Whatever you do in the name of Jesus, just keep it real. Don't be fake. Don't be wearing your long robes and all that good stuff, bad stuff. Don't be, don't be doing that. Just keep it real. Keep your spiritual life authentic. To show this, Jesus has the disciples follow him into the court of the women. Now, Jesus and his disciples could go into the court of the women because they were Jews. Gentiles couldn't go in there, and there's 13 chambers. Jesus could go. The disciples could go. But them disciples, or those uh, Gentiles, they had to stay out. So in these rooms, in, in this area where the women would go in and, and they would pray, they were at the synagogue, they go in and pray, and there were 13 trumpet-shaped funnels there. And it was like a, an offering plate. Do y'all remember Kmart and Boone? I, I love Kmart and Boone where you could take your coins, you could take a quarter, and you could drop it in this little slot, and it had that big old tub, and you'd watch your quarter roll around and roll around, and then go right in. Yeah, that's what that funnel was. So these were similar to it. Wasn't as much fun, probably. Hey, can we get one of those for the church? We'll just set it right out front. But they would, those women would come in, and they would put their money in these funnels. And so through that, Jesus said, here's a good teaching moment for my men. Let's go in here and watch what's taking place. So instead of these offering plates that we use nowadays, they would use these funnels, and they would put their money in it. And when they put their money in it, it would make a certain sound. And so, and I grabbed one since we only use one now. So if back then they, they only used coins. They didn't have like dollar bills like we do now. So if they were, if they were coming in to the, the synagogue and they was going to put their money in, Jesus was back there against the wall with the disciples, and he said, I want you to watch what's going on. And so people would come in, and they would, that's kind of loud, ain't it? Did you hear that? That's kind of loud. So they're like, oh, man, they just gave a lot of money. It sounded loud. But then the widow that we're getting ready to talk about would come in, and she would do this. I got a real widow's mite. This is what it sounded like when she threw her money in. That was it. That's all they heard. That don't sound like much, does it, compared to a pocket full of change. That's what it sounded like when it went through that trumpet and into the bucket. I was going to bring my grandpa's spittoon and use that thing. I just didn't know what was in it. <laughs> I don't know if they cleaned it out after he died or not. But they had this offering plate, and the noise, it said, it said something about their prominence. It said something about the kind of, of money that they might have. So a loud sound meant they put a lot of money in. A little sound meant they didn't put much in. And Jesus t told his disciples, hey, just watch. And as they watched, they had all these several of these rich folks come through, and they dropped bundles of coins in. Tons of coins in. It's like VJ, when you put them dollar bills in the offering plate, that made my day. And whoever counted it, it didn't make their day. But I thought about that. This... He said, just watch. And these rich folk come in, and they're just throwing bundles of cat, or coins in, and then here comes this little widow. You can imagine the sound that that money would make. I mean, these coins were heavy. Then this widow came up, 
and she dropped in her two cents, literally, two cents. Two widow's mites, or one farthing, is equal to $199 in 2021. So she gave $199 back then. That's still a lot of money. And she didn't just stop at her 10%. Ain't that what we do? We're sitting there doing the math, ain't we? Get her calculator out. What do I make this week? What's 10%? And that's as much as we're going to give. Here's my 10, throw it in the plate. She didn't give 10%. She gave 100. She gave 100%. If that don't hit you in the heart, I don't know what will. She gave everything she had. She would have given herself to God if she could have fit in that funnel. She loved her God. And she was going to give to her God. I guarantee you she looked at that thing every time she come in the synagogue and she said, if I could just slide down that tube, if I could just get in there so that they could give me to him, that would tickle me to death. But she couldn't. But she still gave 100%. She gave everything that she had. And you might thinking, you might be sitting there thinking, Lord, that woman's crazy. How in the world is she going to pay her rent? How is she going to pay the power bill? How is she going to pay for Netflix next month? Because she, she just gave everything she had. How's she going to do it? I don't know. That's what we call faith giving. That's faith giving right there. Going knowing that God was going to bless her somehow. She gave all she could. And God's still going to bless her for that. I think this lady was so in love with God that she would have put herself in that funnel though. If she could have. She understood everything she owed actually belonged to God. And that was including herself. That's your lesson right there. She gave everything she could to God, including herself. Not only did she give God financially, but she was giving God her all spiritually. She's the little lady in the church I see back there with her little hanky waving it when a preacher gets hot. That's who I see. That, that, that widow, that's who I see. The one that's so involved in the church and so in love with God that she just can't contain herself. Kind of like Peg from the McCamey's. Kick them shoes off and get that hanky out and get to singing. But in her generous gift, she topped all the rich people in the kingdom math out there. Verse 43 says, And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Your heart today. Where is your heart today? Is it in the right place? Is your heart, is it, does it belong to God? Now I'm not, I don't, I don't care about your pocketbook. That don't, that don't make a hill of beans to me. What I do care about is your heart. Where does your heart belong? Is it in the right place? When you come in, are you going to try to jump in the offering plate? God, here's, here's all I can give you, but here's myself. Come in next Sunday and a bunch of you sitting in there on the offering plate. I'm going to know you've been convicted. <laughs> here's myself, God. Here I am. What, what can I do for you? I always laugh when people, <laughs> people say they don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. You ever, hear, you ever heard that? Anybody ever told you that? I don't want to go to church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. You know what I want to say? Well, come on, there's room for one more. That's what I want to tell them. Come on. 
There's plenty of room for a bunch of us in here. You can't say here and tell me you ain't a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. We've all done it once or twice in our life. We've been a little two-faced every now and then. But we can be forgiven. Lord, I've, I've been a hypocrite today. I've been two-faced today. Will you forgive me for what I've done or didn't do for somebody or to somebody? We get so caught up in our looks and our status at times we, we care more about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. Don't get caught up in worldly things. Don't get caught up in your status. I don't care about your status. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if we have millionaires in here or people that keep having paid bank fines for overdraws. don't matter to me. What matters to me is that your heart's right and your heart's in the right place. Is your heart in the right place? Does it belong to God? God wants all of us. All of us. He wants all of us, but he wants all of this. That's what he wants from us. And all he says is just keep it real. Just keep it real. Keep your relationship with him real. Keep your faith in him. Just keep it real. That's all he's asking of us. Let's pray. Father, this evening as uh, we close out, Lord, we just want to thank you again for this, this message. Lord, we just thank you for this, this widow. and Lord, it's more. It's so much more deeper than just two coins that she pitched in the pot. It's so much deeper. What it means, God, is that she gave herself to you. Lord, she loved you so much. She had such a heart and such a love for you. Father, she gave all just to honor you. And Father, I pray each one of us could be the same. Lord, that we could give, go beyond that 10%. Lord, we would just give ourselves to you. Give those talents like we talked about in, in Sunday school. Give all those great things that you have given us that we could give back to you somehow, some way. God, we thank you for that. Thank you for all that you're doing in, uh, in this church. Lord, thank you for just gifting us with all these different talents here and the things that we can use to to glorify your name. And I pray, Lord, we do that. I pray, God, that we would be able to continue just to give back to you the way this widow gave to you. Again, it's more than the money. It's about our hearts and giving you 100% of ourselves. Lord, I pray today that this message would touch someone in a way, Lord, that would just turn them around and make them rely on you a whole lot more than they have. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we go about our business this week. Lord, I pray that you protect us and guide us, lead us, bring us back here at the next appointed time. Bless your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I guess I'll be back online tomorrow morning with y'all. You got to see my ugly, uh, yeah, ugly mug. <laughs>